All right, this week I'm with Tom and we're doing what you do as a podcaster when you haven't got anything better to talk about. Mailbag episode. Uh, how's it going, Tom? Yeah, really good, thank you. How about you? Yeah, pretty good. The sunshine has broken out here in Seattle. It has been the worst year, like on record for rain. I mean, we're not supposed to say good or bad it's just rain la nina has meant we've got all of california's water it's just been raining solidly for months on end anyway. it's kind of america's answer to manchester in many ways isn't it it is it is it's about the same level of rainfall i believe per year i did look this up so wow. it, it's just the number of days it's yeah <laughs> and it's got a good beer scene as well so there you go there's mm. many many things in common good music scene historically as well as you know now so yeah Crap football team though here. Yeah, once Sounded. they were they were pretty good for a, a period. Yeah, they, it's interesting. They won the North American version of the Champions League this year, beating the mm. Mexican team first first which time is it's massive. ever happened. Yeah, yeah, which is which is massive for US football. They're not doing very well in MLS. I think there's been a bit of a trade-off there. Not that I'm an expert. Anyway, so mailbag episode, we we asked and many people have given us some questions. You, you can imagine that a lot of it is about transfers. It seems to be the topic of the day. So we'll get to some of that. But the best story of the past week was uh, Richard Arnold's off-the-cuff visit mm. to his local pub to meet some of the 1958 committee group whatever they call themselves, which was thoroughly entertaining, I thought, on account of that conversation being filmed and leaked against Arnold's wishes. So anyway, we've got a few questions on that. A friend of the show, Greg Seward, says, Thoughts on Richard Arnold following the footage from today? James, uh, at James the First 90, says, Thoughts on the Arnold videos? And uh, perhaps the uh, best one from Chris, friend of the show who's uh, on the pod last week. Do you wish you'd hired the Richard Arnold who's on the TV reviewer from GMTV instead of the one you've actually got? Thoughts, Tom? Yeah, he, I thought he was great. When I was about 10 or 11 or 12, my parents incessantly, and they still do, incessantly watch morning news TV, which I don't think is actually good for your mental health, but to, to have that poured into you on a day-to-day -day basis. But he was always a shining light. So I don't know if this this Richard Arnold is the same shining light for, for Man United. And to be honest, he is quite annoying, that Richard Arnold on GMTV. But... And well, this one's quite annoying too, I think, in, mm. in different ways. So I feel like he's, I feel like he's just so polished. And I, and I know he swore, oh yeah, he said an F word every now and again, he's one of us or whatever. But uh -huh. like, it's not like corporate strategists and people in, in corporate companies don't swear. Do you? If you ever watch Succession, there's a lot of swearing. I'm not sure it's a documentary, but still, I think, yeah, he, he just kind of said it to, to kind of fit in, I feel like a, a lot of what he was saying was very PR speaky. He know he know he knows he knows his target audience there. He didn't want to. He knows not to slag off the Glazers because he knows that yeah. it's very likely that someone is going to leak this, despite him saying not to. But he is kind of telling people what they want to hear there, and, and it, I'm sure in for a lot of the people there, it, it was a little bit comforting to have a guy sit face to face with you and talk like this, but. It still felt to me so polished, and it's it's going to be like the guy. The guy's not going to say anything out of turn either way. He's not going to slag off the Glazers. He's not going to. He, he knows he knows how to play it, and he's he's a to get into those kind of positions. You have to be quite a politician, and yeah, I think so. I really, yeah, yeah. It's hard to learn too much from that conversation. I feel. 
Yeah, we didn't learn too much. I mean, I I am of the... Look, the Glazers, and we'll get to this with some of the questions later, the Glazers aren't going anywhere anytime soon. And, and Arnold was uh, kind of keen to point that out. And it would take a... Given what Chelsea just cost, you can go back and see my conversation with Andy Green a couple of weeks ago, but given what Chelsea just cost, it would take a massive offer. Even if United share prices blow IPO and it looks like the club's worth a couple of billion dollars, that is, less than that, it would take multiples of that to shift the Glazers at this moment, I think. So we're stuck with them. And if we're stuck with them, it's better the fans have a relationship with the club than don't. So I'm not sure that leaking it was really productive, honestly. That's not the biggest thing. I mean, what did he say? That was kind of, he said, the Glazers have invested. We haven't invested it well. We've wasted a billion pounds can't see it on the training pitch I mean he was part of that he was number two to Ed Woodward so mm, he kind of obliquely blamed Woodward saying Mm. would you like me to be doing the transfers didn't that work well haven't we seen that before or something like that yeah I was like again trying to shift the blame I mean I don't like that he doesn't want to take any responsibility there yeah, because it's definitely not true. He was part of that whole thing. He uh, he said uh, we all know Pogba's a twat. The fans knew he was a twat, and the club knew he was a twat, which was a little colourful, mm. I think. But easy to blame someone who's going out the exit door again, or is it has gone? Has joined Juventus. So so yes, I I don't know. We learned a lot other than. I guess we already had the sense that Arnold is keen to delegate more to other people, and he has, and he said several times in this this conversation, like John, what do you want? Go ahead and do it, sort of thing. So it's John Murta. So John Murta has power within the boundaries of what the Glazers allowed them him to have. I'm sure. Then that's a progress. It might not be perfect. It's definitely not perfect, but it's progress. And United, I think, are being quite deliberate about how they approach the next phase of things. I find it interesting when he talks about like Pogba in the way he does because there were rumours that Pogba was actually quite a popular figure in the dressing room. Yeah. And he's gonna have a I lot of fr- he's gonna have a lot of friends in there. And if like someone like that at the club is slagging you off in that way towards the fans, he like makes you think, okay, one, you're slagging off my mate like that. What do you think about me? And do you have this level of disdain for all the footballers? I know yeah. Pogba may seem a little bit different, but it make me I, I would I would hate that if if one of my bosses was was talking about of one of my friends like that I would I would personally hate that I also found it well, interesting quite. I found it interesting what he said the Glazers don't care and I think one of the people there was like I know they don't care or whatever but he kind of meant in the case that they don't care about what you think and it's yes it's I, I find it just kind of interesting that he he, he explicitly said that because we know that but it's I, I just found it quite interesting that he yeah, he did explicitly say they don't give a shit about what you think. Yeah, all the protests and yeah, they are impervious to this. Exactly. Yeah. And it goes to the fact that we we almost do kind of need to bite our tongue a little bit and just have a relationship with them because it's going to be almost impossible to get rid of them. And though it's it's kind of horrible what they do, it's like, I mean, it's like putting up with the Tories in power and, or like... Or or hope or voting for Labour as your next people that you want to go in. I, I hate Keir Starmer, but it's it's the alternative. Like the alternative is worse, and like is the alternative of just getting on the Glazers' back going to be worse than putting up with them? I, it's it's it's, it's catch twenty two. It's shit either way, really. But yeah, I do think fans tend to see this 
in a binary way, they see tend to see it as glazers in or glazers out. Mm. And it, it's going to take a big shift to get them out. And I don't see, I don't see that happening anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And and so given that, it's it's okay to have a pressure campaign, muster campaigning on the, the share scheme side of things. They haven't got what they want yet, but they're putting the pressure on the fans, I think, to the level of legality should put pressure on the club. It it made some change. I mean, Joel Glazer has spoken to fans through the fans forum for the first time in 15 years. Now, that might not be very concrete, might not be much. It might be kind of empty talk. But it's a step further than we ever had before. The club has promised changes. They've promised investment in the stadium and in Carrington and in the playing squad. And they made a change in how they're structured. I mean, alongside like five or six players and about the same number of coaches, a whole bunch of executives are gone, right? They are making changes. And a lot of this has been prompted not only by the failure on the pitch, but fans' pressure. So I I still think that's good, but... Within within that, how do you have a constructive relationship and and get what fans want? So I think it has moved there, and it's moved there because of pressure from fans, not just because the Glazers are willing to do it. And so yeah. Anyway, should we move on? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So there's Matt here lists MD who asks following the Arnold talk how much financial pain is needed for the Glazers to sell up. I think kind of just gone over a little bit of that. Yeah, I, I think it's impossible. Basically, there, there's just no, there's no level, and, and even out of the Champions League, United United's cash flow will be enough for them to be sustainable and take their, take their dividend. It's a happy semi-annual dividend day today as we record. Tom, yeah, are you celebrating the Glazers taking? I, I, I always celebrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, yeah get the family stuff, round, yeah. and we 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 whoop and we walla. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> How many shares do you own? Very few. Yeah, no, there's no level of financial pain. United aren't about to get relegated, so I, I just don't see anything happening there. And the Glazers aren't about to get sanctioned or anything like that. So, yeah, not going to happen. Sorry. Yeah, and the next question kind of goes from the similar vein, really. It's from Morton Mabrenner, who says, How many relegations would we need to totally restart the club and start over again? So how how many would that <laughs> hypothetically yeah they might they might get out i suppose if united got relegated to the championship i mean they'd be on a significantly uh, they'd lose 160 million pounds a year of of tv revenue basically and all their and all their sponsors i just don't see a scenario in which that happens i mean if we'd have kept ranyek for another year hey, maybe <laughs> he was doing a good job wasn't he that form was relegation worthy Jesus. And then Hans Inga Langle, maybe have messed that pronunciation up. I'm really sorry if I have. Given the stories about cash issues and the ongoing performance issues, what's the realistic worst case scenario for the short to yeah. medium term? Well, I, I can definitely make a, a bare case on this one. What I think realistic he's put in there, worst case scenario, is that United don't qualify for the Champions League this year. Again, the season about to come, that is. They take quite a big hit on their... Adidas contract we're in, entering the last two years of that anyway and so out of the Champions League have to renegotiate Team Viewer in a couple of years renegotiate Adidas and a, a number of other commercial agreements fall by the wayside we are reduced to sort of high 400s in revenue 
and fought behind City, Chelsea, Liverpool, Bayern, Real Madrid, Paris Saint-Germain, Barcelona, probably not Tottenham, but maybe actually they're growing in revenue with the new stadium and then basically become become an Arsenal mm-hmm. and, and spend many years out of the Champions League and don't have the revenue to kind of back up the ambition. So that's that's a realistic worst case scenario, and it's a pretty bad scenario. Spending years in the Europa League, I think, at, on on yeah, significantly reduced revenues. I still think the club's sustainable. Just they just adjust the transfer budget. They pay dividends out of profits. United make profits most years when they don't spend a lot of money on transfers. So dividends are owned by the shareholders. The Glazers are most of the shareholders, and they will continue to pay themselves dividends. I wonder as well whether we are becoming more Arsenal-y as well. Like, I think the transfer window, and we'll obviously get onto transfers in a sec, is kind of showing us to be a little bit of a step down already. Like, the, the Frankie de Jong thing, I know it sounds like he wants to come to us, but his initial reluctance and the fact that City and, and Liverpool can just go out there and buy who they want and yep. get them immediately... Is 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 one a, a, a sign of Glazer's incompetence, but also a sign that we're not we're not that as tempting as we used to be. Well, that's right. I, look, we used, always used to say that there was a sort of tax on Manchester United. Everyone knew United were rich, and therefore the price went up. But it doesn't appear to be a tax on Manchester City and Liverpool right now. They go out, find the player they want, negotiate, get the player to want to come to them and leverage that to get a good deal. Now, that actually seems like that's what United are doing with Frankie de Jong. I don't believe they'd be pushing this if they didn't, if Ten Hag hadn't had a conversation with de Jong mm. in which he's like, yeah, okay, we'll, we'll do it. I understand that. I'm on the way out of Barcelona. They want to cash in. They need the money despite despite selling off their TV and commercial rights for the next 400 years. They need short... That's not, that's not providing them with that much short-term cash. So they need it and they can only cash in on one in every four euros because of their their financial situation or they can only put that towards a playing squad so anyway he knows that he's on the way out United are trying to squeeze Barcelona for a good deal I don't think that's bad so might be behaving in a way that is more befitting of a big club I mean look what Paris Saint-Germain and Real Madrid do Mm. getting great players on freebies all the time because they're leveraging high wages in the Paris Saint-Germain case and status in Real Madrid's case so United don't have that status right now we need to start winning again to have that status in order to to benefit from players really wanting to come and then you don't have to pay the mega fee and the mega wages mm. all righty so we've got a few questions on kind of stuff around the team and and how it's shaping up J.O. Joe Guntona I don't know how to pronounce half these Twitter names <laughs> J-O-G-U-N-T-O-N-A on Twitter. So it's Frank de Jong, Donny van der Beek, Bruno in the same midfield, strikers, fringe players, AWB as an auxiliary centre-back, Lindelof as an emergency DM. Why don't coaches experiment with position changes more often? I mean, it's an interesting theory. Or, or, or that could be square pegs in round holes. So I'm not sure it always works. It will be interesting this year because there's a couple of interesting things that could happen with Bruno because he doesn't obviously fit into a Ten Hag possession-based controlling midfield. Although Bruno isn't the worst. I mean, he gives the ball away a lot in a kind of positive way. Mm. He's not the worst in midfield 
for lack of control. That's yeah. that's Fred and McTominay spraying the ball all over the place, <laughs> not to their own men. So I, I do think there's a couple of scenarios, and like bear with me on this one, that, that could be interesting with Bruno, which is maybe Bruno plays as a false nine if we don't get another striker in. Mm. Maybe. That might be an interesting way to use him. He's not that far away from that anyway. Yeah. If you look at his positioning and, and Donny van der Beek comes into midfield. Or maybe Bruno plays off one of the wide areas. Given that United are chasing Ericsson, it's not that different. Ericsson would probably play on the left of a front three. So I'm not saying I'm advocating for either, either of these things. I'm just saying that might be kind of interesting. I don't know. What do you think? I guess that goes to also his question, why don't coaches experiment with position changes more? I mean, like Ranić did experiment with Bruno quite a bit, actually, throwing him out on their left, throwing him as a false nine. My problem with Bruno playing false nine, it kind of negates most of his qualities. His best yeah. facing goal and having to come back and link play and be pretty tidy doing that, I think, like I say, it kind of negates his best qualities. His best unlocking defences, trying things, maybe even sometimes from deep and with back to goal. Yeah, I think he does have the quality to play it. I just I just think that it's kind of it's a little bit of a waste. I think AWB as a as an auxiliary centre back potentially in a three, but in a two it, I just can't see it ever working. I mean he the, the lad can tackle but his positional awareness is just not very good for a defender. And he gets away with that because he can side tackle like no one's ever seen before. Yeah. And he's pretty quick. But put him in a in a back two, especially, he'd, he'd be all over the place. I don't even want to... It looks like a nightmare. Yeah. In a, in a back three, though, I think it could work. Like Kyle Walker really, really benefited from that. Like yeah. he was really good for England in that. It's good for City if they ever play that. You think AWB is as a... As disciplined as Kyle Walker, though, I don't nope. know. But but I, I agree, that's a kind of... And he's not as good can, on the ball could... either. No, he's not, which is a problem. The midfield's interesting, though. That, like, that that three... Uh, the, the, my problem with, with having Frankie De Jong... I, I, Frankie De Jong is, is great, but my, my fear about him is that just how defensive... Like the defensive nous in, in a team in the Premier League, if we're relying on Frankie De Jong in, in especially in a midfield like that with with DVB and Bruno, like we're not going to get too much no. from those two, and and relying solely on Frankie De Jong to be the the defensive no, shield no. is just definitely not. It's great on the ball, I think those three, and I think it's going to be very very interesting to see what Donny Van Der Beek's like this season. But I just, I would fear defensively. Yeah, for sure. I don't think that can happen. I think they need a proper defensive midfielder alongside De Jong, who, who does like to play, start his starting position is deeper. He likes to get the ball off the mm. centre-backs. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But he's, he's, he's got a very high dribble completion rate. He likes to carry the ball uh, and he's obviously got a great passing range. So it, it needs a proper defensive midfielder in there. And we've been saying that for, what, yeah, 10 or 15 years? <laughs> I don't know, when Michael Carrick retired. Exactly. And I hope that, like... United, well, you would hope that United aren't going to just think De Jong is the answer there. He's a defensive midfielder. He plays near the near the defence. No, thank you. Yeah, Alex Warmel says, which youngster is most likely to make the step up? I'm really hoping we've got a defender coming through. I, I, 
I don't know that there's actually an easy transition here for any of the under 23s. Oh, it's now going to be under 21s. The Premier League 2 is now going to become an under 21 thing, which which is kind of interesting. It still means that there, there's a jump up basically how do you how do you get those youngsters into the first team if they're really really good it's going to happen so we see that with greenwood and rashford in recent seasons if not they're going to have to use the loan system they have to be clever because united don't have a bunch of feeder clubs or clubs in their in the same group family uh, and there's a limit of two loans so have to use the loan system really well uh, and like defenders, uh, Alvaro Fernandez was in a couple of squads at the end of last season. He's a good attacking left back. I don't know if he's ready to put pressure on Luke Shaw. Uh, someone needs to because it's definitely not Alex Tellez. And Ethan Laird, I mean, I've got a lot of hope for him. He had a good start to last season, then went to Bournemouth and barely played. So he had a good start as a wing back in a 3-5-2 at Swansea and then didn't play much as a full back in a 4-2-3-1 at Bournemouth. Uh, and so that doesn't really speak much for his hopes of replacing Dallo or Wan-Pizaka, I don't think. No centre-backs are ready, in my honest opinion. No, and that's exactly what we would we would love, really. I feel like uh, if we were to kind of open it up to, to any position, I, I'm going to be interested to see what Ahmad's like and if they do want to keep him, because... I feel like his cleanliness is is something that would go down pretty well with 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 Ten Hag, and I think he's he's super intelligent as well. Like I know he didn't play that much towards the end with Rangers. He had a couple of games yeah. early doors, and he did really well. And then he was kind of out the team as Rangers, I guess, progressed towards the Europa League, and he kind of played a lot of league games in the second string team. I think. It was tough for him to go into that scenario six, six months in. And I don't think we should kind of say, oh, we didn't light it up at Rangers. And, and, and that's why he's not going to light it up at United. Look at, I think when Lingard went on loan to Derby, was it the next season? He actually started getting into the first team at United after right. a reasonably okay championship season. So I don't think like just because he didn't light it up, he, he won't do amazing at United. And I think... I feel like there's a lot to come from him. I think it's like more, more than anything, it's his intelligence. Like he, he, that's what really saw at Rangers. Like not just his ability on the ball to beat people, which is really good. He's like I say, he's really clean in possession, but also just getting into those attacking areas and knowing where to be, which is is something that not all our our kind of players have. And I think that's what Alanga's so good at as well. Like I, I, I mean which youngster is likely to step up, step up. Obviously, Yalanga was the one to step up this, this season. Yeah. And Alanga's not that great on the ball. He's decent enough, but he's not no. like a, a Mason Greenwood. But he's just his intelligence is, is so high, which makes him such a, such a great player. And I think Ahmad has that, and he also has the technical ability. He just he needs to grow a little bit because he is a little very slight and that's going to be one of the things that hold yeah. him back in the Premier League. Palestri is also one that I'm, I'm going to be interested to see what they do with. Yeah, he wasn't really in the Alaves team, but he's a regular for Uruguay. Mm. So he like clearly he's got something about him. He's very direct, isn't he? And he's some of the like just some of the clips of him setting up goals for Uruguay yeah. have been impressive in. The, both his dribbling ability, how direct he is, and, and his intelligence around the box. I don't know why he didn't play much for Alaves. I, 
we'll see. I, I suspect it's going to be another loan, though, mm. with him. Maybe if I was Ten Hag, I'd be wanting to look at some of these players. So those players who haven't been playing international football are, are back at Carrington on Monday. So probably Ahmad, I don't think he's been playing over the recent international break. He has, so he might get another week off, week or two off. So anyway. Someone like Garner as well, like what's going to happen with him? Yeah. Cause oh yeah, Garner. A, a lot of people obviously been speaking about how he could be the solution after having a decent enough season with Forrest. But I, I don't particularly see it. I don't think he's physical enough quite yet, but it's it's going to be some interesting for someone like that. And I also think Hannibal, like I love his combativeness and he's also great on the ball. Like uh, I, I guess he will probably be loaned out, but I don't know. Physically, I'd say he needs a loan, but yes, I mean, everyone enjoyed him kicking Jordan Henderson, mm. uh, for sure. I mean... Apart from Ranić. <laughs> I know, I mean, that's, that's, that's the moment we knew he wasn't a good <laughs> Exactly, <fit. laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but Garner, yeah, interesting to see. I, I don't know, I have my doubts about him, but he had such a good season with Forrest. I'd kind of like to see him go on loan to a Premier League club to see Yeah, him. Forrest again. You know, if he stayed with Forrest for a third season, if he signed a new contract, basically, mm. you could see him going out for another season there. Yeah. David Balfour says, what innovations do you see in the new five subs era? I don't know. Are we going to get any innovations? I mean, basically what I see in five subs is that the clubs with the best depth of squad, I don't mean like number of players, but I mean the, the lowest distance between the best player and the mm. worst player seem to benefit from it. So Manchester City, they're just in completely interchangeable. They've got two really high quality players for each position. Pep has some of his favourites, but honestly, is there really a big drop off if Mares is in the team and not Foden? Mm. I mean, no. And whereas United have had that big drop off. Yeah, for sure. And I just don't know that we benefited. I mean, the fact that Ollie would use one sub when we had five to play with or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Or no subs in some important finals I, I yeah i was gonna say I, I go back to the europa league final but and and ollie got criticized a lot for that not making a sub until until basically what the end of extra time or something but then you look yeah, basically yeah but you i i was looking at that team and looking at the bench during that game and i was like there's no one i would actually bring on here because there's so little solution i wonder whether like it's it's Maybe a little bit left field, but I wouldn't. I've I seen like this Latin this season just filling in for like 10 or 15 minutes at the age of 40. I wonder like how many players like that might just stick around at the big clubs to just be like almost like, like a special teams player in the NFL or something. They just, they right. just wheeled out for like certain scenarios where like 15 minutes to go, we're 1 0 down, we'll bring on this guy who might be able to. And it's obviously dependent yeah. on if whatever player wants to be like that, but because you've got five subs now like you can almost have like specialized players for for, yes, for, yeah. for certain scenarios so i wonder if that might be an innovation we see maybe not but hmm. it's it's interesting there's, there's a bit of discussion about sterling perhaps going from city to chelsea mm. we don't see those transfers across the big six clubs really but if you look at the wages, and this has been part of United's problem, that fringe players get at the big clubs, it's more than the bottom third of the Premier League or the bottom half of the Premier League can pay to their top players. Uh, which means we might well get more bloated squads and fringe players just sticking around to get those 10 or 15 minutes rather than going somewhere else for football because they would earn less. Mm. I feel like that's what Matt has done for the last year and a half 18 months 
Five years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I guess so, yeah. He did take a big pay cut to hang around as a mascot last season. Mm. Luke Hay says, now the two sources of dressing room leaks, quote unquote, have left the club this summer. What other leaks would you like to prioritise fixing? The roof, the defence, the midfield? Yeah, all of it. Are we are we saying that Pogba and Lingard were the major sources of leaks? It seems to be it seems to be the common knowledge, but I'm, I'm not saying that. I, d- I don't want a cease and desist letter from one of their lawyers. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess the the main leak to to fix this season is the defence, so we don't have to rely on David De Gea winning player of the season again. And I guess also that includes the midfield of signing a defensive midfield to help out the defence, which would be absolutely lovely. Yeah, and the controlling part of midfield, the ability to retain possession, that'd be kind of useful too. And the attacking bit, putting the ball in the onion bag. And having a goalkeeper that, comes off of, his line. I mean, I, I don't know. You can hope and dream, can't you? You just don't always get your dreams. Yeah, and a right back. <laughs> Some things don't. Yeah. So all of it. We've we've fixed the coach. We've got a we've got a more sensible structure in place around around him. Mm-hmm. We haven't fixed the owners. I don't think the roof has been fixed yet. No. So it, it, the Ten Hag's photo shoot when he joined had the mouldy, transparent panels still there that were fitted in the mid nineties. So, <laughs> hey, or, or whenever that stand went up, yeah, a bit later than that. All right, shall we get onto some transfer nonsense? Because everyone wants to talk about transfers. Yep, superb. So Jamie H O with about six numbers. I always was told that if people had that many numbers behind their Twitter username, that they were a bot, but. If, no, I think it's when they don't pick a they don't oh, pick okay. their own handle. Twitter just assigns an eight digit number. Yeah, because if if this was a bot, it's quite a sophisticated bot who because he asks is is ending Randnick's contract and the delay in making signings a the new football led structure allowing Eric Ten Hag to call the shots and take his time to get what he wants and b the usual Glazer era random chaos. Yeah, I think it's a. I, I know there's a lot of fans the. The I, I would say if I was taking the Twitter sphere sentiment, people are a bit panicked about it and they think United can't complete any of these deals and they're only doing one deal at a time. But I think what I my sense of what I hear from sensible people is that actually United are approaching a number of targets in a number of areas. They may do up to five deals. We'll see on that one. They've never done that many before. And they they have a structure in place to try and complete it. Murtar has a more developed team now. I think they might actually be looking for a, a chief negotiator a replacement for Matt Judge as well. But but yeah, they, they have they're fairly confident they have a structure in place and they're going to go execute on it. That's that's I could be totally wrong about that, but I think it's more A than B. I'm maybe it's wishful thinking. It's hard to not be cynical, isn't it? Really? <laughs> yeah, oh, very. Yeah, almost impossible. Exactly. To wonder, Chukukwa asks, despite the fans' outrage. Isn't it better that United are not splashing cash for show? Sure, and this is Arnold's point, wasn't mm-hmm. it? Would you rather I was doing the deals? Quote, unquote. Yeah, I'd like them to splash some cash. I want to see the money on the pitch, not in the Glazers' pocket, for sure. But if they're doing it in a structured, sensible way, obviously training starts soon. We'd like players to be in sooner rather than later. But they do have to the 2nd of September to complete all these deals. There's a lot of time left more than two months so we shouldn't really panic it would be nicer to get it done earlier but it's a game of brinkmanship with these big deals yeah isn't it 
So, and you think to the like the who's going to blink first, United or Barcelona? Yeah, and you think to like the two major signings that like City and Liverpool's Liverpool have paid what I would probably consider way over the odds for Darwin Nunez, and Haaland yeah. was a was because of a transfer release clause. So it's not yeah. it's not like they've had to go through that brinkmanship. The the the, the, the Nunez one in particular is is a huge huge call by their new director of football which like he he is potentially amazing but it also could come back to hurt them because what is he had one successful season in in Portugal like Uh it it doesn't make make it's definitely going to happen and then I think if United have made that sign in there'd be so many more questions about is this guy actually going to make it or is it going to be another flop but because it's Liverpool and they have unfortunately got basically every transfer right for so long or the majority at least they're kind of yeah they kind it's kind of written as read that it, it's going to work out for them which i don't know if it particularly will but hope well hopefully not it, it i mean they've got most of them right but this is a different scale mm. isn't it for sure on nunez and they went early with it clearly there was some competition so they've had to pay a big fee which they don't normally do. They've got some of that back by selling Sadio Mane, but Mane has been such a consistent performer for them. And Nunez is going to play through the middle by the looks of it. And he actually played sort of off the left of a sort of inside forward a lot in Portugal. So yeah, we'll we'll see. Big gamble by them. But anyway, but to the to the question, I think I think United will be completely comfortable taking their time on these things and won't be swayed by social media anymore i don't think so anyway again could be proven wrong on that one but you got the sense that edward wood was lurking and when it got the sentiment got a bit negative he, he threw some cash at some aging player that was going to be injured for most of the time yeah if we revisit that question in two months and we've still not signed anyone then i think the answer might be a little bit different but i guess it is it's, it's, yeah. it's not july yet so not well don't want to panic too early. Roger Williams asks the four perfect realistic signings. Everyone loves to add that word realistic. <laughs> a right back, a defensive midfielder, a controlling midfielder and a forward. And it could be a centre forward or a, a kind of more flexible one. So I guess they want to name names, right? I, I don't know who the right back should be. I don't know. I normally have a, uh, I normally have a name at the top of my mind. I think Frankie de Jong would be an excellent mm, signing. Yeah. Excellent. I know. I I think. I think most of De Jong's problems with Barcelona is they were using him in the wrong position. So we'll see. Could be wrong on that one. Defensive midfielder. Don't know. I'm surprised they didn't explore a Basuma transfer. He might not be great on the ball, but man, the guy loves a tackle. Mm. His numbers, defensive numbers, are really good. So and forwards. I don't know. What do you think of Anthony? Have you seen much of him? I mean, he looks good on YouTube. Uh, I I feel like he's a better version of Ziyech or similar to Ziyech. Well, you kind of replaced him, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. And like, obviously, that guy on the right who cuts in with his left, with his lovely left foot. It's, it's just so hard to, to to know for sure with with those players in Holland because they're playing against such slow defenders. I think he is really, really good. I'd be very, very excited if United did sign him. My only fear is a little bit when we just keep getting linked to Ajax players over and over again. Like, is that the extent of the the scouting system? But I think I think he would be awesome. I think <laughs> yeah. I think Frankie De Jong would also be awesome as well. Like Chuchemeni would be have, would have been an awesome signing if he had not gone to Real Madrid. Yeah. 
for sure. Uh, I think I think I think yeah, what you say is is right with all those. Uh, I think maybe a centre back yeah. as well. Tuchimeni's great defensively, and he's great on the mm. ball as well. So I think a centre back as well, maybe ahead of. Well, I mean, I think we do need a right back, but I guess it also depends on if if Ten Hag wants to play maybe a little bit further up the pitch. But I can remember when we tried to do that before it, it, it exposed it exposed David De Gea and it exposes David De Gea when he plays for Spain the two of them yeah, yeah so like yeah. we need to kind of so we're turning the four realistic signings into six seven or eight <laughs> it's yeah well that, that's the problem isn't it because in Ten Hag's system for me I look at that and go Maguire's a problem De Gea's a problem and Ronaldo's a mm. problem so, so with the pressing trigger and Ronaldo, he just won't do it. Maguire playing up the pitch, he just he's not comfortable. You, you could say he'd be more comfortable if Varane was fit more often, but that hasn't proven to be true. And De Gea, he, <laughs> the amount of, I, I saw, a, I think it was The Athletic put together a chart on this one. He is in the bottom left quadrant for sweeper keeper type actions. So yeah, he just, he just does not do it. Collecting ball, high aerial balls and... And I can't remember how they put it, but yeah, coming off his line to to make other defensive actions. So. It's not even surprising, He's is it? He's a real problem. Like, imagine if he'd have been asked the question, you would have probably put him bottom, I'm sure. Andy McCoy says, where is written that we must never sign a defensive midfielder? Yeah. In the stars, mate. That's, that's the only answer. It's Moses came down from the mountain and the 11th commandment was, thou shalt not sign a defensive midfielder. It's just like an incessant conversation over and over again. I know, I know. It's just like Russian doll. They've brought out a second season of that, I don't know why. J.O. Jogontona. How important to... I'm glad we both butchered that name. Yeah, perfect. How important to have a biggish squad for the upcoming season? Another chance for Bay to prove his worth. Should (laughs) Should United be looking at players in Scotland and the Championship more closely? Nope. No. <laughs> I mean the Scottish if you look at the ELO ratings, the Scottish champion the Scot Scottish Premier League is about the standard of the championship. I know Rangers did well in the Europa League this season, but there's Celtic and Rangers and then the budget for everyone else is like sub ten million. So it's, they are championship. I would say worse than the championship as well when you watch it. Like yeah. I mean, even someone like Rangers it'd be interesting to see if they actually won the championship because they've got players like Lundstrom who are um, excellent for them. And and I know like Ramsey didn't really get in the squad towards the end, but like, and then you see someone like Tavernier who's actually been amazing for them, but like he couldn't really do it in a decent team in England. Yeah, I think if we if we start looking for players in Scotland, that would be a real bad bad sign and like even like someone like Garner who was I think did he get make it into the championship player of the championship team of the season and there was a couple of Forest players that did yeah Jed Spence was one of them I think Bernard Johnson as well but like I mean them players for example or or someone like Mitrovic or whatever like Mitrovic comes to the Premier League I know it's a little bit different as well because like Mitrovic is probably a player would actually in a good team in the Premier League score a lot of goals and when he goes to Fulham he's playing in a team which defends or doesn't have much of the ball and it's it's different but he's not the same player and this I think there's such a huge gap between the championship and the Premier League these days I mean clearly there it comes back to that discussion around big squads as mm. well 
for sure on the, the disparity in finances. That may change with the new regulator coming in. We'll see about that one. I mean, I think there's uh, some time to go before we get that. So, yeah, I, I think if you look, how many big successes have there been coming out of the championship into the Premier League? Right, Not not too many. And Ben Rama has kind of, kind of failed at West Ham. Yeah, Buendia. Came from Brentford. Buendia did all right. Buendia, yeah, he did all right at Villa. Matty Cash did very mm, well at Villa. Yeah from Forest, so it's not many and I mean there's a question like how many championship sides have a elite tier one uh, performance player performance development academy mm. right it's not all of them so it's not the farm for talent that it might have been 30 years ago and a lot of that's to do with cash and the cost that it that it takes to run one of those academies to that standard as well and and just the bigger squads in the Premier League so yeah anyway that's why you don't see too many I'd be surprised if United moved for a, a championship or Scotland player this summer. But, we are linked to that derby, yeah, lad, no, aren't youngsters, we? Youngsters. Yes, although I wonder whether that's agents talking because it looks like he's going to Crystal Palace. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Malcolm, Malcolm, I've forgotten his second name. Yeah. Haynes. There wasn't much difficulty spending top dollar for Pogba, Lukaku and Maguire. Why are we beating around the bush paying top dollar for... Why aren't we, sorry, paying top dollar for the number one target our new manager wants? Yeah, I think because United are taking a different approach. And if they reduce the fee they pay for Frankie de Jong by 15 or 20 million euros, that's 15 or 20 million euros that will go on another player. Mm -hmm. So... I, I sound like I'm giving the the corporate line here, don't I? But I, I think I think this is I I think this is actually good. <laughs> I think this is actually good that they're trying to look. If the deal collapses and United panic and go spunk eighty million on some crappy midfielder who was a big name once upon a time, uh, then then that'll have been completely wrong, and my analysis of the situation will be totally wrong, and it won't have been the first time. I've spatted a lot of crap on this, but I think United are trying to take a more sensible approach to the transfer market and they will do the deals but at a price they think is right. And honestly, why should Barcelona make a profit on Frankie de Jong? It's not like they got him on the cheap to start mm. with. Yeah, why? Why? And he's a player they want to get rid of and they need the money and it looks like there's a market of one for him at 75 million euros-ish. So... You know, hey, why shouldn't United squeeze a bit out of this? So, how many weeks till we sign Lewandowski? <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, he'd score a bucket load of goals. I mean, it might only be two years worth of bucket load of goals. but Yeah, we signed know, a player hey, to score a bucket he, load of goals. Yeah, we did, but he's more dynamic than Ronaldo. Yeah, he? he is. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I, I would argue a better finisher as well. And a so, better link player and younger. more tactically disciplined. He, yeah. He, yeah, he would be an upgrade, but I can't... I, you yeah. just imagine them two wanting to play in the top two together, which would be lovely. All right. Should we move on from transfers? Yes, yes, yes. Or, or is there anything? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's sort of the same. Alert. Mark Gallagher at Galto on Twitter says, best signings post Fergie and worst sales. Give us top three of each. My God, there aren't many. I think Zlatan's best got signings. a bit there, hasn't he? I mean, probably for a year. He was great. Second year was injury. An injury mm. problem. Bruno. Yeah. For sure. I, mean, I, know, I, I know last year wasn't as good as his first year and a half or so, but transformative. Luke Shaw. In terms of United's creative output. Luke Shaw, I mean, maybe, although you could argue he's only really had one really good season in six or seven or whatever it is. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. I guess I guess consistently, but I, I guess 
to me feels like someone we can thoroughly rely upon most of the time when he plays which I mean is kind of better than most yeah Herrera was good but of course obviously not always in mm. the team so he was good at a different level we missed him when he mm-hmm. went they're not many best worst sales I mean like what sales yeah I so, mean best sales he's always Best and worst sales. Best signings and worst sales. I mean, loads. Damian, we sat on for an extra two years, paying him, and then sold him for two million. <laughs> Absolutely abysmal piece of business. <laughs> Just terrible. Herrera, we let go. Like, when we were handing out contracts, like, they were sweets in the playground to anybody, mm. just because we wanted a, again, back to my conversation with Andy Green, like, a fat squad with high asset values and it turned out like they didn't have high asset values because they're not high in asset value if you pay them loads because no one wants them Henderson on 100 grand all of that just yeah and we won't be able to it'll be we'll probably have to subsidise his loan by the way to Forrest I can't imagine Forrest having the the wage budget to they won't they won't so we'll have to subsidise the loan there'll be a small loan fee and we'll subsidise his wages in the hope that he does well this year and we can get a sale next mm. summer. I thought he was one of, supposed to be one of the ones we could sell. Anyway, it's been terrible. You know, if you look at the amount of money United have made out of sales the last 10 years versus City, Liverpool, and especially Chelsea, that's a, a fourth revenue stream that United have just te- been terrible at. Terrible at. Just a I mean, the best ones just look... Um, we'll look see the, oh, my God. <laughs> so he's gone on a free... Twice, and we spent a hundred million on him. <laughs> that is literally that laugh is kind of I can just imagine just reverberating through the the corridors of the event the stadium. I know, mm, grim. I mean, he maybe have been quote unquote, a t- but we spent a hell of a lot of money on that. Yeah, we've twat. indulged that twat a lot. Anyway, I don't think it's a twat, but so yeah, not many best signings last ten years, and just so many were sales i mean just look at this summer six players leaving on a free i mean you can argue with any of them really but there's no value that united have got out of any of those players <laughs> 40 odd million on the manu matic when i said he looked expensive you can go back and find that tweet i had a bunch of people pushing back on me i was just like i don't see how we're going to get much out of this player and there's no resale value so spending a lot of money on old players unless they're completely transformative like Robin Van Persie, who we got a brilliant year out of. A, a, an end of a retirement present for <laughs> Alex Ferguson, that was. Yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't work. World Cup. The neighbourism on Twitter says, what's the best way to watch the 2022 World Cup while also not being at all happy about the circumstances around all of its existence? I'm hoping to have a conversation with someone at Human Rights Watch. I reached out to just talk about that this summer in some of these left field conversations I've been doing. But I think it's okay to watch the World Cup. Because it's already done and dusted. and But you've got a platform on Twitter. I don't know how big it is, Andy. We have a platform here, fairly big. And I think there's some prominent media outlets, even bigger, who are prepared to tackle some of the things. Some of the, the issues around workers' rights, not just World Cup stadium building workers' rights or workers' rights. Not the PR version that the Qatari authorities show, which is, hey, look at the lovely conditions these World Cup workers have now, but didn't have the last 12 years. And and the general migrant population doesn't have. So I think calling out all of that stuff while enjoying the football is perfectly fine. In fact, the louder the voices talking about it, and this is what Human Rights Watch and Amnesty say, 
the louder the voice is talking about it, the better, because their attempt at sport washing their regime won't work if we don't just focus on the football. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. I think if you look at like Saudi Arabia attempted sports washing and like golf, football, even the F1 that they had there recently, like yep. every attempt that they've had has been met with vociferous opposition by the media and the media have done a really, really good yep. job at that. It's almost, I can imagine to a lot of people, it's, they were unaware of, of Saudi's horrendous human rights abuses and and the war in Yemen. And it's actually there, especially the live golf thing, which is kicked off enormously. And it's brought so much attention to their horrendous regime. And I know it's like a hundred that they're kind of talking about this strategy and like a hundred year strategy. And, and they're hoping that it's just going to die down and they're going to be able to, and And I, I think it will, unfortunately, but like, the, the the only thing that we can do as as little men and women is basically shout about it as much as we can and keep bringing attention to it because that's all we can do like yeah. we we don't have that much power but we do we do have a voice and we we should yeah continue using it as much as we can i, I i'm kind of aware that i'm kind of aware that we shouldn't other as well because you know i live in a country now which i think you could say has a horrendous Mm -hmm. human rights record around overseas wars healthcare, abortion uh, as well just seen a decision uh, yeah exactly we've seen a couple of decisions come down from the supreme court in the past week around the right to carry guns which will undoubtedly lead to more deaths i'm sorry for people who don't like me being political but undoubtedly will Forty-five thousand people died at their own hand or others through firearms in this country last year 45,000 people and women's right to their autonomy around their body and their reproductive rights has been ended in many mm. states now. So sanctity of life is important until you're born and then you don't get health care and you might get shot in the school. So, yeah, <laughs> that's sorry to be glib. But I'm just just to say I'm aware the, the and the UK is trying to deport refugees to a third party country with a very poor human rights record as well. So don't want to other here, but the UK and the US governments and others don't quite act in this way, trying to buy overseas sports clubs and or tournaments in order to wash their reputation, uh, which is what has happened with Qatar and the Saudis and Russia in 2018. And we know the impact and the power it's had. So yeah, anyway, long, long answer to this question, but I think watch it, enjoy the football, call out the the problems we see even this week the uh, qatari minister saying uh, gareth southgate is not credible no well good for gareth South- southgate to you know for getting on and keeping to talking about it we'll see what the england players do around say compensating workers who've been injured or the families of workers who've died or workers who've had poor conditions or wages have been withheld and stuff like that there should be pressure to do mm-hmm. that sam sandyford said this is talking about next season now what would represent success and also top three crisps <laughs> yeah i'm, I'm glad <laughs> don't eat a lot of crisps honestly but next is well it's top four top four on a decent run in in yeah the europa league and one of the it'd be nice to win mm. something wouldn't it after five years so winning one of the domestic cups oh, europa league is perfectly possible it's a tough competition but perfectly possible get through the group stages and then united will be as good as anyone i imagine but it's got to be back into the Champions League. That's got to be the 
the the uh, that's got to that's the cake and the cherry on top of it is a is a cup victory somewhere yeah so i like the chicken wings max walkers walker sensations well, nice. also fantastic and i think to also go for a classic choice uh pickled onion monster munch so they oh, are good. really really good, good yeah. i don't want to have them too often it's now, now you're saying that I know I can't get them here. Yeah, because the question mm. does ask specifically US ones. Now Ed is there. Yeah, thing is, what I really like, which is hard to get in in the UK, are like tortilla mm. chips, and you can get the. It's, you just can't. You can't get the same quality in the UK. It's really hard to get them. But here, there are like 15 different varieties of really good ones, oh. with, and they always have like big pots of fresh salsa. I know this is not really a crisp. I know I'm bending the definition here, but I really like them. Also, yeah. flaming hot Cheetos in America are unbelievable. I, they are. I don't know what's in them, the dye, but oh, when, God, uh, yeah. when kids have them, they go orange. Mm. And I know everyone called Trump Cheeto. Their hands are dyed, their faces are dyed. And what, there's something about kids, and anyone who's listening who's got kids, you'll know, they cannot get it into their face hole. It just goes all over their face, and and it dies deeply. Yeah, <laughs> they, they are so good. Yeah, and yeah. You, you, when you're talking about your kids, they basically kind of talking about me because I'm exactly the same. I'm just such an absolute mess, staring at. I, I mean, honestly, I I might have a like a a job and a responsibility for paying bills and stuff like that, but I like kids' TV. I like Haribos. <laughs> yeah, and the what re- represents success? I I completely agree as well. The top four. Like, it's going to be tough as well. Like, City and Liverpool have made two massive signings. Tottenham, you imagine, are going to get loads yeah. better under Conte. Chelsea, you don't know. I think yeah. they, they might be a little bit dodgy. So, it, it would... Mm, the new owner now acting as director mm, of football. That's, mm, that's a red flag. So, hopefully, they screw but that up. It would be... It, I think it would be a very, very good success to finish top four. And it's actually going to be pretty tough as well. Yeah. We'll see. We'll try and make predictions in our annual preview show somewhere towards the end of the summer. We'll see where we get to on that one. Rot Guy says, most overrated and underrated players of the Fergie era. Over and underrated. Are any of them overrated? I mean, it depends who you mean's doing the overrating. Because I know there's... You see this on Twitter a lot, don't you? Like revisionism around the class yeah. of 92. They're all yeah. great players who you'd all really... I, I noticed Wayne Barson was arguing with people about Keane versus Vieira on Twitter. Great thread, very enjoyable, Wayne. But Keane was miles better than him, miles better. And like trying to revise that or any of the, the, the class of 92, they were all great players. And, and um, it's, so, yeah, I'm not having that they were overrated. It's right as well. Like it depends what circle you're in. Like when you talk about overrated, underrated, because some people like massively underrate someone like, I don't know, Cantona and, and Paul Scholes, like, because like, especially Cantona, like the, the, because they just look at his like goal scoring record, they're like, oh yeah, but it's not as good as yeah, what, yeah. what, Shearer or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then like someone like, well, you sometimes almost go a bit over the top, like some people with Scholes, because they just say like he's Zidane's best player, like favorite player and Xavi's favorite player. And, I think it, it does a lot depend on on the circles that you speak in. Most underrated for me. I'm not having anyone. I'm not having anyone talk down Paul Scholes. <laughs> he's he's the greatest ever. Most are underrated for me. <laughs> yes, for Longquist. What a man! What a man! At least I love that kid. Yeah, 
I, they're just injured all the I, time. I, 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 it was a shame he got it's a shame he got injured, uh, which I think uh, severely impacted. Well, it's two. Fergie had a kind of wide four four two, and he was a left-footed player, and Giggs was in the team, and he got injured a lot. So, and I think Fergie had this view that he was going to move Giggs into a more central area. Yeah, he tried that a lot that which, season you know, as well. Could could and he tried he tried it. Yeah, he tried it in midfield and up front, and but yeah, when it came down to it, he was he was injured a lot. Nicky Butt back to the class ninety two mm. underrated. I think he'd have got in any other team. Uh, of that era uh, any other Premier League team that is for sure Lee Sharp mm, early 90s again affected by injury and uh, h- how do we put it <laughs> I wonder about Hargreaves <laughs> again yeah again again he had a great he had a mm. one great season for us didn't he again just me. hampered by injuries yeah and, but I knew what they were selling mm, I'd say. yeah and then became a traitorous human being by going to City Though it didn't really work out, did it? Not exactly Tevez. I was joking recently. Like Marcello retired from Real Madrid and Tony Cruz said, I'm glad I played with the best left back of all time. I was like, no, you didn't play with Dennis <laughs> Irwin. Again, underrated. What a player Dennis Irwin Oh my Irwin God, was. I know. So. And also a left back taking penalties. Like, and free uh, kicks. And and playing on the wrong side as well. Cause I know, just... But, you know, totally yeah, comfortable. Totally just worked. Amazing. And just, yeah, I, I just love anyway. as well when a player <laughs> just gets on with their job like that. Just no fuss. Just doing it. Just doing everything yeah. really, really well. Have you been taking, oh, this is for you, Ed. Have you been taking advantage of the wonderful plethora of Asian food options near you in Seattle? If so, what's... Well, sort of. Asian food, he means Korean, Japanese, Chinese, I think, in this context. There's a there's a what they call the international quarter here that has a yeah a really good range of shops and restaurants. I've tried we tried a few, not loads. I don't know if I could name my favourite, but yeah. Anyway, honestly, what we try most is the pub scene, the mm. the brewery scene, which is right around the corner from where I live in Seattle, which is awesome. There's like 25 breweries within walking distance. So yeah, beautiful. I know that wasn't the question, but I gave you a different answer anyway. <laughs> this one, TJ Christensen, top three trans- transfer sagas that didn't happen. Yeah, was she Schneider? Oh, okay. I mean, I think Once I think he means out. the transfer yeah, yeah, didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Schneider yeah. was the one every single summer, wasn't it? Every summer for what felt like a mm. decade. Nicholas Gaitan. Oh God, yeah. His agent. <laughs> Never happened. <laughs> How random was that? Sounded like it was going to happen forever, mm. didn't it? Ronaldo back to United, although, of course, it did happen. Yeah, then Gareth Bale to United, that was a yeah, constant that one. Yeah, was a constant. Would you have him now? Hey, when I was talking about earlier, like I was on a freebie? earlier about the, the guy you can just bring on for the last 15, 20 minutes, he'd be great for that. I mean, if he took a reasonable wage, and he doesn't want more than that. He gets injured. His and all he's doing is save. Although he does take a while to get saving up to himself speed. in November, and he say, so. "We just put him on a six-month contract. Yeah. Bring him on for fifteen, twenty minutes if you want to play on it." Actually, I'm kind of talking myself into this. I mean, honestly, I, he wasn't that good at Spurs, so you don't know what you'd be getting. But as long as uh, he was on like a pay-to-play mm. deal or something like that, I, I, I don't think. It I mean, would there was be massive rumours that one he was going to Cardiff, and then also he was going to get. get so surely he couldn't have been on much at either of those clubs God I can't believe I'm talking myself into Gareth Bale again give me another transfer Jack I love this question what's the fucking point 
what is the point? <laughs> <laughs> what well, with like life? Is this just like I, a, a truly yeah. realist question? Because that is a good question. I mean, Jackie, if if you need some help, reach out. We can we can get you some help. And uh, but if it's about football, yeah, I mean, honestly, you could you could make a very deep bear case for United not getting the transfers done this summer, ruining Ten Hag's chances of building the squad, and and Ten Hag getting fired before the season's out. So mm-hmm. sure, yeah, if you want to be deeply pessimistic there's a perfectly good scenario that you. Can i do build. think about this question a lot like after a after a loss which say if it comes like last minute loss or whatever and i've invested so much into it i'm like why why am i doing this to myself these why is my emotions and my feelings dictated by something i can not control in any way and what is yeah. the point in football it doesn't make any sense but i'm so still so emotionally invested <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand life. It doesn't make any it's, sense. It's, it's true. Are, are those rare moments of highs? Yeah, exactly. Whereas a plant, yeah, I, if I, you I, were I, a plant all day, like you're living, you're having a lovely life, you don't have any highs and lows, you're just there being. Is that a good thing to be? Well, well it's a deeply philosophical question. This is what the question was um, about. You think, therefore, you are. Yeah. No? Google recently got fired for saying that its AI system mm. was sentient. <laughs> so, yeah, we might not be around for much longer. Skynet's coming, yeah. apparently. That's true. Damn. And Born and Red, last one. Despite being tall and powerful, having a fantastic passing range vision, shoot from distance, good in the air, and the ability to dribble past men... Why couldn't Tom? Oh no, it wasn't. It's not about me. Pogba drive a poor team forward like Robson or a Gerard. Gerard, come on. Yeah, Tom. Ah, oh, yeah, damn it, Tom. Yeah, why couldn't you drive this team forward, Pogba? I, I don't know. I mean, there's so much, like it's gone. I, I guess, I guess, I guess we should have a last word on him now. Signed mm. for Juve. He, I think it was something to do with his personality. He's actually not a driver and a leader on the pitch. He seems to be a leader in the dressing room, but it doesn't translate to the pitch. It's something to do with the fact that he was injured too often and he found it very hard to create a rhythm in the team and and a lot to do with the inability of United to work out how to use him and the reluctance of every single coach he played under to, to kind of build the structure around him because for understandable reasons, they didn't trust him. Mm -hmm. I also wonder about his personality as well like not to 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 truly slate him but so i don't know if you've seen the new hbo show about the lakers it got loads of flack for for not being very true to to the actual events that happened but there was a moment in that which really made me think this guy's like pogba it's when magic johnson i think kareem abdul jabbar was talking to him and he's like you you love this too much you love playing too much you don't love winning and i feel like that's kind of what pogba is like he just kind of just enjoys playing football but he's not really that bothered about the the actual winning like maybe he's not bothered but that's not the be all and end all for him he obviously wins a lot but like he's not as ferociously invested in winning as someone like even like a Gerard or like you think to United players like Roy Keane, you think to the class of 92, how, how set yeah, yeah. they were on, on winning that. I don't get that same impression from Pogba, which is completely fine. I'm like, I'm saying it's not a, a slight on his personality. Sometimes it's actually quite good not to be as invested in, 
in the in the end goal and the success like that. But in kind of football, it does kind of matter quite a bit. I think I think it helps <laughs> yes. a lot. He was again not to not to defend him really because I think it's a complex and nuanced discussion. But if he had more of that ilk of player around him, United could have carried him for the last six years. Just mm. just had the skill set without the need for him to be more than that. But he wasn't more than that. I don't think his personality lends to it, at least on the pitch. I don't really care about the off-field stuff, the haircuts and the dancing no, and the TikTok either. videos and whatever. I think that's just modern players, really. I don't even really care that much about his agent, who is while he was alive, very mouthy. And that's just the way he does it with all his his players. He creates markets, both for the wages and potential transfers. So it was a drama, but honestly, I don't think the club were that worried about it. The performances on the pitch are, I don't know, 65% Pogba's fault, 35% United's fault. I'm not sure what balance it was, but it's definitely blame mm. on both sides there. Yeah. All right, that's it. That's a long mailbag. Mm. There probably were more, but I thought we had a lot of questions, so didn't didn't maybe didn't get to all of them and didn't keep tweeting it out because we'd have had hundreds <laughs> to run through. I think we covered we a lot there. And and yeah, good good questions on crisps, I thought. And and Asian food. Yeah. And on nihilism. I didn't answer that one very well. Maybe I I, I should honestly I, I when we eat out we we probably do tacos more. There's good Mexican food here as well. So which you can't get in the UK. Yeah, you've shown yourself to be a no. Loving the Mexican food with the tortilla chips and now this. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's going on. It's going on the belly there. Yeah, and that's what we it. don't have that so. much in the UK. Like good Mexican places. Like we have a lot of good good no. places to eat, but te- Mexican places. Yeah, not 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 great. Not, not so much. Not yet. Anyway. All right, Tom. Great to speak to you. Yeah, it was, it was fun. fun. Yeah, thank you. It's 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 a lot funner when we don't actually have to talk about a loss. Mm. An actual game, yeah. I mean, we, well, I think we've only got about four weeks until United start yeah, playing. Fingers again. crossed, we start winning again as well. Mm, okay, definitely. Uh, I think our first game, preseason game, might be against Liverpool. So hmm. we'll see. Mm. Something to look forward to. Anyway, I'll be back next week. I'm doing some more interviews in the next few weeks before we start talking about actual football again. And yeah, great to talk to you, Tom. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you soon. <laughs>